This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Purpose of Life Productions presents Khalid Yassin. Allah, 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 Allah,
النار أيها الأخوة الكرام وأخوات السيدات السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته. We tell them shut up and sit down, but we won't. We want them to be honest, but we are cheating. They know that their mom has a husband, but why she's on the welfare? Because they're cheating. They know that the father is the head of the house, but he's not saying that because he wants his five children to receive the welfare. So he is cheating, and the children are smart enough to know that. So why should the children not go outside in the street and cheat? So we don't have any hisba. But you know, brothers, look, Omar ibn al-Khattab, radiallahu anh, may Allah reward him. In case you don't know, one of the greatest things that Omar ibn al-Khattab, he did for the Muslims, he was the first one to establish the hisba. What is the hisba? The hisba is an agency among the Muslims that looks to what they do that checks what they do and put in check what they say and all the complaints come back to the muhtasib and the muhtasib he has in his hands the power to call someone from their homes and to do ta'zir on them that is to punish them with something less than the hudud he can settle the issues of the wives inside the houses and the husbands who beat their wives and the people that run through the streets creating annoyance. He can check all of that and he can walk through the streets like Omar ibn al-Khattab. He can walk through the communities and he can tell the sisters, why are you dressed like that? Why are you dressed like that? And he can raise his hand like that and tell if you don't get back to your house and dress yourself correctly, I smack you. And no one will say anything to him. He can see a man in a place where he should not be. And he can ask him, why are you standing there? They will not say none of your business. Because they know the muhtasib, he have a hundred or two hundred men like him. They know it. And when these young boys, they know we have muhtasib, they won't act the way they act. Wallahi, they won't act that way. I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I pray that the Muslims will begin this sunnah to have a muhtasib, to have a group of brothers who act as al-hisbah when they have an activity, when they have an activity, a project, a masjid, a community. Because if you don't have a regulatory agency among yourselves, the kuffar will never respect you. You will never get respect. And this is one of the issues we will talk about concerning citizenship and responsibility. Look how long it takes for us to regulate the people to sit down. If there was 20 brothers here who did not smile, and just in their hands, they had a stick, a whip like that. And each of them is chosen because they can box and they know karate and they are big brothers and they don't smile. Wallahi, many of you would have already got something across your backs yesterday or the day before. You would have even left and went back home or every time that we call you, you will sit down. Some of our sisters, also they need some sisters among them like that who don't play, who don't play. And we don't care 
how pretty your kimar is and how long and pretty your dress is, you can get slapped down too. Because Umar ibn al-Khattab and Abu Bakr radiallahu an, they was the best of the people. But one time they entered the house of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam and they found their daughters, Aisha radiallahu anha and Hafsa radiallahu anha. They found them complaining to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, bothering the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And they each slapped their daughters and said, are you bothering the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam? This is how Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anha used to walk through the streets of Medina, checking inside to see in the souk who is there. What they're doing, walking through the streets, checking, see who's standing, who's moving, what's going on. And he's walking and looking and he's got a whip across his shoulder. And the people, they know he will use it. How he was respected. So Umar ibn Khattab, he set up the first police force in Islam. A police force for who? Not the kuffar, not to protect us against kuffar, Yahudi, Hindu, or Buddhist, or so and so. No, police force for the Muslims. Because we have many Muslims themselves who are rebellious. Many who are criminals. Many who don't have respect. And many of them that the only thing they're going to respect is to get their skulls cracked open. Or to see somebody get thrown down, spread eagle. Some of us, some young Muslims who call themselves gangsters. Wallahi, you're not gangsters. You're just as soft as ice cream. Somebody need to take you by themselves in the dark and give you a nice whooping and you won't be no gangster no more. But you think that, maybe you got a little gun, you got a little knife, you know, you beat up somebody, you know, you big, you bruisey, you this, you that, you listening to all these gangster rap films. All of these guys, when they wind up in the prison, are sissies. All of them. They just acting like a gangster. And really, they're not even acting like gangsters. The real gangsters are dead or in jail doing 50, 60, 70 years. And that's where all our little young gangsters is headed, for the graveyard and the prison. So brothers and sisters, listen, when your fathers, when your uncles, when your organizers, when your leaders, when your teachers tell you, sit down and be quiet, it should not take you more than three minutes to do that. Because if somebody ran inside this room with some AK-47s and started shooting in the air and told everybody to get down on the ground and don't nobody move, all of you would start urinating on yourself and crying, and, but you would all be on the floor. And would nobody move? You wouldn't know who it is, but nobody would move. Why? Because fear would take over. I say, don't wait for fear to take over. Let respect take over. Because part of our religion is obedience. Obedience. Discipline. Respect. Order. That's what we need. If we can't get decency, respect, discipline, and order from the Muslims then the Muslims deserve for somebody to come inside their homes, inside their lands, inside their masjids, and to do what they have done. Because that's a punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remind you. We have enough Muslims in this hall right now that if all of us lived in this area, we can control the area completely. I'm talking about the schools, I'm talking about the hospitals, I'm talking about all the institutions. We can almost control it. We can demand what we want, and we can put in office who we want, and we can take out of office who we want, if we would listen. But we won't listen. We won't listen. Even if you are told, move from where you are into this area, you say, oh no, that's the Somali area. Oh no, you know I mean? that's Al- Oh no, that's the Pakistan. Oh no, that's the, that, that, that. You go into all of that. I don't just blame the people. I blame the leadership also. I used to be imam for one masjid. 
long time ago. I'm a big mistake. Mistake for them to choose me and mistake for me to accept. Now, unless somebody forced me to be imam, I don't be imam. Because I don't want to be imam inside the mosque. Somebody, he just lead the prayer. Just he said, iqama salat. No, no, the imam supposed to have the power. What good is the imam? Just you want to bow down and he bow down and so and so. But after the imam say, assalamu alaikum, assalamu alaikum. Boom, everybody gone, doing what they want to do. No, no, this is total disrespect, brothers and sisters. This is disrespect. Disrespect. I blame the people and I blame the leaders. Because if the leaders would come together once every three or four months and sit down and eat together and talk together and find out who has the best knowledge of Quran and Sunnah, who has the best social experience, who has the best resources, who is the oldest, who have been here the longest, they would be able to determine among them who is the best to be the representative among themselves in three days. 30 imams can come together in three days with sincerity and they can find that out. Why they don't do it? Because they don't want to find it out. Because once it becomes clear who's the driver, who has the license, according to the Islamic menhaj and priorities, then it becomes a criminal act, you see, for you to disobey. So the leaders do just like the people. They don't come together because they don't want to take a seat under the other. Everyone want to keep his magic chair or his magic member for whatever reason. A little bit of power he think he got or a little bit of influence or, you know, something that he think he's supposed to have or his people love him and this is their place or they speak this lugha or this lahja or whatever. Foolishness. Yes, it is the fault of the leaders and the fault of the followers. And when you got weak selfish leaders you deserve them because you are weak and selfish people you have to demand your leaders say to them what was the response of Bilal when Umar al-Khattab said oh people you have chosen me to be the Amir wallahi I am not the best from among you I am not the best person for this but you chose me so if I order you what is right I expect for you to follow but if I go to sleep I deviate and I order you something which is wrong. Wake me up. So Bilal, I believe this is Bilal, he stood up and he said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, if you order us what is right, we will support you completely. But if you go to sleep and you deviate, we will wake you up on the edge of the sword. Ha, subhanallah. They are friends. They are brothers. They love each other. But for Allah and for the justice, this is how they spoke. So Amr, he knew, no matter how powerful he is, if he deviate, he knows what he will get. But our leaders, we don't speak to each other frankly like that. Even we won't sit together like that. And no one can tell us and order us that we have to come together like that. I say, you can do it. No imam is imam without leadership. And his people need to ask him, Sheikh, when is the last time? You have sat down with the other imams and leaders of this city. See what his answer is. He will probably say, Wallahi, I want to. But the others, they won't. You know, they won't cooperate. All of them say something like that, you know. Then we can say to them, Okay, Sheikh, we understand that problem. We will organize it. We, the people, we will organize that. You know, the people from over here and over there and over there, a committee of us will get together and we will organize that. Yes. We will choose. We will choose. 
the very best place for them, some kind of resort area where they will be secure and we will put them up in limousines and we will deliver them there and we will pay all the accommodations. We will pay for the food and we will pay for the rooms and we will pay for everything for them and we will ask them to be there for three days together to eat and sleep and get up and pray and listen and talk and whatever and we will say these are the only conditions we ask you to address these conditions while you're there one of those conditions is that one of those 20 or 30 imams or amirs or presidents or whatever they call themselves one of them will emerge from that meeting as the coordinator of that group just the coordinator we won't call him the, the central imam because maybe that's too fast too much he's just the coordinator the representative so now at least the muslims of this city will have what what will they have they will have at least a representative of all the leadership of the city and then those leaders who will not participate at all then we know how to categorize them we know they are mufarriqeen they are the people who want to live in Farak. They want division. They want for themselves. They are the Hizb Allah spoke about. That's who they are. And we can see that's who they are. Why? Because they are black, or they are white, or they are African, or they are Algerian, or they are Bosnian, or they are this, or they are that, or they got special names, or whatever. We will see that's who they are. But those 25 or 30 who at least met, they will have a leadership representative. And that is a major step for this city. That's a major step for the city. How will the Muslims feel to know that the city of Toronto has a central leader? That the leaders themselves, the majority of the leaders, selected him. They will feel good. This will give us a feeling of confidence, give us a feeling of encouragement, Give us a feeling for the future. But we won't do that. Because the people don't force their leaders to do that. So the leaders have an excuse not to do that. Why? Because the Pakistani leader, Pakistani people, they want a Pakistani leader. The Bengalis, they want a Bengali leader. You see, the Sudani want a Sudani. You know, this one want that one. Every group wants somebody that look like them, talk like them, dress like them, eat his food, represent him. This is Asabiya, this is Kaumiya, this is the disease of the Ummah. And we love that disease more than we love life. And until we get rid of this disease, there will be no success for us. There will be nothing for us. We will be continue to be humiliated. Allah's the humiliation coming from the kuffar. Wallahi, brothers and sisters, this is not coming from them. It is coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah has brought humiliation to this ummah every time they have acted the way we are acting. And then when they come back to Allah, come back to the Quran, come back to the sunnah, come back to their senses, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them back their irda, gives them back their kuwa. Allah gives them back their identity. He gives them back their dignity. He gives them back their strength. And he gives them back the respect from the kuffar. But we're not ready for that yet. We're just talking. That's the first step. We can't do anything until that first step is taken. And don't blame the leaders. Blame yourselves. I say every community from Toronto 
the best of the people from every community who wants love, who wants brotherhood, who wants this here, the best of them come forward someplace and meet and let the businessmen be among them. And we put it together, the whole package. Leadership Summit, the Leadership Summit, and all the Muslims will be aware of it, that we have paid for the place. We have reserved the vehicles. We have reserved our security. We have paid for all the accommodations, and we are only requesting them to do what Allah has ordered them to do. That is to be responsible for us. They will do it. They have to do it. Because we will force them into a corner to do it. And they cannot say no because there is more of us than there is of them. But once we choose them, then we have to obey. Those are the leaders who choose a representative. They have to obey the one they have chosen. Not because he's black or white or he got this or he's got that or I know him well or I agree. I know once they chose him, they have to obey. And then the people have to obey. Because this is the deen of ta'a, the deen of obedience. This is not the deen of hawa, the deen of feeling, individuality, as we are acting today. If we will work on this issue, we're going to get more benefit out of everything that we do. Because think about it. How many of you would like to be in an automobile, driving your family or a group of people on a bus somewhere, and in the background, the sisters are jumping all across and everything, and the brothers are jumping up and down, and people are just hollering and shouting and whatever, and kicking the windows back and pulling on you and where you going turn over here turn right stop hold up you would have to pull over to the side either put everybody off the bus or you had to pull off to the side and pull out your strap or your whip threaten everybody in there to sit down or go to sleep then you might be able to get where you're going we don't need to do that brothers and sisters we need order so the leaders the organizers the sponsors those responsible they can concentrate, they can lead us in the right way, and we can get the benefit of that. But we have to become a respectful and a disciplined people. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls us in the Quran, Khaira Ummatin. It's the title. You're the best of the people. But look at us. We're not. We're the best of the people because we are attached to the Quran. We're the best of the people because we are the followers of Muhammad sallallahu But in our actions and in what we are actually producing, we are not the best of the people. And that's why the people, they don't want us. Because we're not the best. Because any woman will tell you when she goes to the supermarket, if they're giving away free fruit, free fruit and vegetables, but it's almost ready to go off. Will you take it? Oh, you don't know what I mean by going off? The fruit is almost, you know, it's like, it's got bruises on it. You know, it's not, it's not really spoiled, but it's kind of like almost ready to go off. So even if it's offered for free, you don't want it. You want that fruit which has no scars. You want the fruit that has the smell and it's fresh and it's attractive and the correct color. It's mature. It's in its season. That's the fruit that you want. Even if you have to pay more for it, you don't mind. Because that is human nature. So when we give the people a pamphlet and we say, this is Islam. Read the Quran. Look at the life of Rasulullah. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. They read it, some of them. They read that. They look at us. They read that, and they look at us. They read that, and they look at us, and they say, in their language, well, I'll be damned. You know, it's the English terminology. That's what they say to themselves. Well, I'll be. My goodness. <laughs> I mean, are they inviting me to this? Are they products of this? They want me to be part of them, or part of this? So that's confusion. We have to be people that represent what we say, and what we invite people to. We're inviting people to a plate. 
We're inviting people to a system. We're asking people to change their lives. And we're asking people to accept us as citizens in their country to share with them the leadership and the destiny of their country. Did you ever think of that, brothers and sisters? You are asking people to accept you to join them in the destiny of their lives and the destiny of their country. And you and me are saying that if you would be Muslims, this society would be better and our future would be better. And they're looking at what you're giving them and they're looking at you. And they're saying, I don't think so. Most of the time when somebody sends me an email and says, Sheikh, my neighbor hates Islam. A new Muslim says, my mother and father hates Islam. Sheikh, what should I do? I try to talk to them, but they just hate Islam. I ask them a few questions. And when I ask them a few questions, do you know what I discover? I discover that their parents and their neighbors don't know anything about Islam. How you hate something you don't know nothing about? Their parents or their neighbor or their co-workers, they hate Muslims because they see the behavior of Muslims. They see Muslims that come into places and take their feet and put it inside a sink. How some Muslims, you come into a public place on the side of the road where other people is washing, using their face, a face basin, and you just come in there because you Muslim and put off your socks, dirty socks, and put it over there, and then put your feet in the sink and all that water all on the floor and all that, and after you finish, mashallah. Then you walk it off and here come another one. He's doing the same thing. And by the time five or six brothers or sisters do that in both the bathrooms, the people still come out and say, what in the world happened here? And they outside attack me, Allah, Akbar, Allah, Akbar. They say, oh man, there's some crazy people. If we only use our minds to see this is not our place and that the Prophet ﷺ gave us a nice sunnah that you don't even have to be washing your feet if you're traveling. Just make masa over the feet. It's nice. And you don't even have to take off your shoes. The Prophet ﷺ prayed with his shoes on if he had a need to do so. In case y'all don't know that. Yes. Secondly, most of the bathrooms, they already have towels. So when you finish, you can just wipe up the towel of the place and even wipe where you didn't even use it and what they will think about you then. You don't have to say anything. Just from your actions, they know you are considerate people. You are clean people. You are decent people. You are kind and sensitive people. But we won't, as Muslims, we won't even do that. So what are we inviting people to? Brothers and sisters, did you know that most of the alcohol sold in major cities in North America, it is sold by Muslims? Muslims own most of the shops selling alcohol. Muslims own most of the shops that are selling gambling. The Muslims own most of the places selling the fawahish, you know, the sexy, nasty magazines. Muslims and brothers and sisters, most of the people dealing drugs in the street today in major cities, I don't know about Toronto, but I'll tell you in Europe, in England, most of the drugs sold in England are sold by Muslims. So if the drug selling and the alcohol selling and the fawahish and the gambling is controlled by the Muslims, what we got to invite people to? We as Muslims, we got to stop them from doing that. But we don't. 
those same people selling drugs, selling alcohol, selling chenzia, selling fawahish, selling girly magazines, selling gambling, those same people, because they have money. When the Ramadan comes, they're in the first rank, behind the imam. And when the imam says something, <laughs> Yeah, he crying like he's a muttaki. You believe maybe this man, subhanAllah, he crying almost falling down and crying. He crying more than the imam crying. But you don't hear in the background, in the background, in his store, the cash spread is still going jing, 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 jing. So even while he's in the prayer, in Jumu'ah, on the Eid, in Tarawih, while he's in the Haram, in Mecca, on Arafah, saying, Ya Rab, Ya Rab, wa mat'amahu haram, wa mashrabahu haram, wa malbathahu haram, wa ghudiyabil haram. How can Allah answer him? How? His food comes from haram. His clothing comes from haram. He is nourished from the haram. His drink is from the haram. His family is all engaged in haram. And he is holding his hands, Ya Rab, Ya Rab. How can Allah answer him? Because Allah has made him ghafileen. He is ghafil. He has become unmindful. He's a criminal. He's ma'asi. He's mudnib. He's one of the forsaken. He's one of the people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala won't even look at him on the day of judgment. But among the Muslims, he's a well-respected man. He's well-respected. Even you may find him on the board of trustees. You may find him one of the people who have established the mosque and chosen who the imam should be. Because we Muslims as followers, we don't care. We don't question. This is the way we think. But we argue with each other about the pants and about the lihya and about the scarf and about the dress and about the raising the hands and about the this and about the that and the so forth and so on and the, the aqidah and the madhab and so forth. And, you know, don't be in a masjid when this thing says six o'clock prayer, don't be in that masjid and, you know, you want to say, Sheikh, can we hold up five minutes? No, no. Salah must be six, six, six. You know, Fajr, 4.52, not 4.53, 4.52. We must call it, Bismillah. You know, for rituals, we have become people that we want to cut with a knife. We got to be right on the dot. Although there wasn't no clocks in the time of the Prophet So nobody was praying 4.52 Fajr at that time. Nobody was praying 6 o'clock at that time. It was known when time the prayer was called and someone would be ordered to prayer based upon the sighting of the sun or looking at the shadows and the prayer would be called and the people would pray. But now we have become, you know, mechanized Muslims. You know, all our fatwas all lined up now. You know, all, we got clocks all over the masjid. We got clocks on the side. We got, you go Saudi Arabia, man, they got five clocks in the front. They got a clock for that. You know, they got the Salah time for, for the Muslims. I be looking at two different times on the clock. I asked, brother, what them two clocks for? Said one clock is like the 24-hour clock. You understand that you know between 24 hours, that's the time for the prayer. And the other clock, that's just the regular time for the world. So what that mean? You know, we have become mechanized Muslims. So I say to you and me, if we're going to be Qanitin when it comes to the minutes of the prayer, why don't we become Qanitin when it comes to the zakah? Wallahi, most of you right here sitting here, you don't pay no zakah. And you cannot lie because I know you don't. Oh, you pay zakat al-mal, some of you. You know, some of us have got a little bit of taqwa. We pay zakat al-da'id. It's called the zakat al-fitr. Well, you know, we pay that because that's like, you know, I like, you know, $35 or $13 or 
$3 or 30, whatever it is. This is, you know, chump change. You know, we all want to be praying that, you know, make sure we pay all that for, for the prayer come because our prayer ain't accepted. And, you know, we real ritual Muslims. We don't do all this praying and reciting and dhikr and fasting and all that. So, I mean, you know, subhanAllah, you know, for like $5, $15, I ain't going to let my salat and my dhikr and all that get jammed up. But the zakatul mal, which is one of the arakan of Islam, we don't pay it because we say we're not living in a Muslim country. Or some of us will fool the others and say, I'm sending my zakatul mal back to Pakistan. They are just like those who told Abu Bakr and Siddiq. They're the ones who told Abu Bakr and Siddiq, I'm going to pay zakat, but we're going to pay our zakat to our own tribe. Our own tribe, not to the Khalifa, not to the Amir, not to the Imam. But we're going to pay it to our own family, our own people in Somalia, in Sudan, in Bangladesh, in that place, in that place. When the zakah is the right of the collection of the Amir. No one, when there's an Amir, has the right to hold back the zakah and send it anywhere. No, the Amir has the right to collect the zakah. That's his right, that's his responsibility, and to distribute it. But we don't pay zakah. Because I ask you the simple question. Who in this city is responsible and has the power and the influence and the respect to order the Muslims to pay the zakah? Who will you respect? Because if anybody stand up and say pay the zakah, and we want a statement from you and your family. I want a financial statement from your family. The same one that you send to the government. The same one you send to the council. The same one that you send to the city. The same one you send to the IRS. The same one you make when you want to buy a house or a car. We want a financial statement. How much income comes into your house? You should give that to the Amir. You will say that's not his business. Don't tell me what to do. That ain't none of your business. So you see where the rebellion of the Muslims is at. This tells us why we don't have community responsibility. Allah calls us Ummatun Wasata, the balanced Ummah. Balanced, that means in control. Allah calls us Deen al Haq. Deen al Haq. You know, brothers like to say, I'm on the Haq. I'm on the Haq. He liked that word haq. But the word haq doesn't just mean I'm on the truth. Haq also means the haq of the people, the haq of Allah, and the haq of the ibad, the haq of the religion. Here it doesn't mean truth. It means what? It means the rights. So everybody want to say they're the most truthful, but they're not giving people their rights. Allah tells us to stand out for truth and justice, even if it is against ourselves, our family, or others, our nearest of kin. Stand out for truth. Stand out for justice. That means tell the truth and establish the justice. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you and I to bring into the society where we live khair, goodness, good ideas, good products, good people. Allah wants us to bring good behavior. All is say goodness. He wants us to bring and show the people so then they want to be like us. Allah wants us to be people of adal, justice. We don't steal. We don't lie. We don't cheat. We don't harm. We're not those kinds of people. We speak the truth even if it's against ourselves. Allah tells us to amr al-ma'ruf wa nahir al-munkar. Enjoy the right. Command the right. Forbid the wrong. Prevent the wrong. Allah calls us people of iman. Iman means people who hold the trust. People who hold the covenant. People who have the amana. People who have faith. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls us, he says that we are shahidan, al-nas. We are a witness against and upon the human beings. We are the witnesses. That means we are the benchmark. We are the witnesses. We are the example. We set the pace. And if Allah gave us that, 
and we betray that, then Allah will punish us double. Allah says to us in the Quran, He says, Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu la takhunu allaha wal rasool wa takhunu amanatikum wa antum ta'lamun Oh, you who believe, do not betray Allah or His Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or the trust which you have been given. Now, brothers and sisters, we need to understand the language and the culture and the history of this country. That is our responsibility. Allah does not change the condition of a people until the people change the condition which is within themselves. Their hearts, their behavior, their mentality, their demeanor. Change is vital. Everything is subject to change. Tangible and measurable change. Tonight we will talk about social change. Social change is in the hands or it is the responsibilities of the citizens of a country. Would you agree with me that social change is the responsibility of the citizens of a country? How many people would agree with that? Oh, you don't agree. Either you don't agree or you're not citizens. Which one? I am a citizen of North America. I'm a citizen of the United States of America, and I believe that social change is in the hands of people who are citizens, not people who are foreigners. So I'm asking the question again, how many of us agree that social change is in the hands and is the responsibility of the citizens of our society? How many of us? Okay, good. Then that means we're all on the same page. So enjoying the rights and forbidding the evils is the responsibility of all of us citizens. This is a privilege and a responsibility. We have to appreciate and be grateful for the privilege of having the social and political liberties given to us as citizens of this society. And brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. Yes, these are non-Muslims. And in many cases, brothers and sisters, they do dis- demonstrate some very filthy habits, some filthy immoralities. That is true. But let's look on the other side of the coin and let's be fair. In some of these Western civilizations, they give more animal rights than human rights are given to Muslims in their own countries. What did I just say? I said in this country, in America, in Great Britain, the animal rights are greater than some of the human rights given to Muslims in the Muslim countries. Because if your rights, if your human rights were protected in the countries that you came from, as soon as you got some money, and as soon as you got yourself on your feet, you would be going back to that country because you know that you would get better liberty and better treatment with your own people. But I don't see nobody jumping out of here. I don't see nobody saying, well, alhamdulillah, I got on my feet. I got a little money. You know, my family's all right. Thank you very much, President. Thank you very much, Congress. Thank you very much what y'all gave to me and my family. I've been here for three or four years. I'm headed back to my country. I'm an engineer. I already got some resources. I'm going back to the land where I get the social rights and the liberty and the freedom and all the things that Islam has promised us. I don't see nobody going nowhere. Brothers and sisters, in this society, we can write a book and nobody will censor us. We can criticize leadership and nobody will lock us up. We have freedom of speech in the public and nobody can stop us. We can own our property and nobody can tell us where we can buy property. We can open any business that we want that is a legal business. We can establish any institution that we want. We can travel the world with a Canadian passport, with an American passport, with a British passport. You can go anywhere in the world and come back and nobody can stop you or do nothing to you. 
We have due process of law. Nobody can come to you and lock you up and hold you in jail without giving an explanation like in the Muslim countries. You can establish your deen. You can speak inside your masjid any way you want to speak, but you cannot in any Muslim country. Brothers and sisters, do not jump out of the frying pan into the fire. Remember the privilege that Allah has given to you to live in this country. And if you think about that privilege, a responsibility goes along with it. Muslims have a social responsibility to build resources and institutions to serve and benefit the entire society. Not to serve and benefit themselves, but to serve and benefit the whole society. Muslims have immigrated from Canada, have immigrated to Canada, USA, Europe, and Australia. But the majority of these immigrants, they do not participate in the responsibility of citizenship. What are the responsibilities of citizenship? They and their children and their grandchildren, they are enjoying the safety, the comfort, and the various resources of these societies where they have immigrated to. But we don't get involved with city, state, or federal government. Now, I'm not talking about running for political office, so don't get spooky on me. Don't get technical on me. Oh, what the brother talking about, he, you know, or he talking about running for office. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I said get involved with city, state, and federal government. That's where your money goes. That's where your tax dollars goes. You need to know what they're doing with those tax dollars. You need to get involved. How? I am referring to social and political action. Not reaction, but Action, proaction. We have the responsibility to address all the evils, all the diseases, all the dangers, all the problems of our country. I said our country. This is, for those of us that are citizens, this is our country. Now you have a country of birth. I understand that. But if you live here and you have citizenship here, this is your country. And if this country was invaded by somebody from the outside, Islamically, you have a right to defend it. You have the responsibility to defend it. Dear brothers and sisters, we need to understand the language, the culture, and the history of our country. We cannot just live in the country and the society taking, 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 and never giving, giving, giving. What kind of people are we? We come somewhere and just take, take, take. We don't build nothing and we don't give nothing back. So how would you feel if 35% of your taxes is taken from you and then given to some other people who just here don't, don't want to learn your language, they don't understand your culture, they don't understand the history, and they always taking, having more babies, calling us filthy, calling us kaffirs and everything, and we spend our tax money, they go into the hospital, have more babies, they go into the schools creating problems, they living in our neighborhoods, throwing their garbage out the back door, we spending our tax money, and they taking our tax money. How would you feel? You wouldn't like it, and they shouldn't like it. But Muslims, in many cases, this is the picture that people have about us. And it's a wrong picture because we are the wrong Muslims. Muslims, we have to attract our neighbors, attract our classmates, attract our colleagues, attract our co-workers with good manners, good education, good resources, competition, and good explanation about life. We should illustrate the dynamism and the enthusiasm that will inspire the people of this country where we live. We have to light the candle of da'wah, the da'wah in this immorally dark continent. 
And we have to show how the guidance of Islam will bring dignity and repair to the feelings of the fading family and the erosion of social values. And we have to establish the discipline of jama'ah. Jama'ah. We have to show people that we have leadership and we have following. And that we are obedient and we are disciplined. And we are productive. We have to show them that we have a society that is well structured. We have to show them or they will not have respect for us. We need to have sanctity and sincere concern for all the people of this society. Now, brothers and sisters, I know I tried to say to you what I wanted to say in less time. But there is 15 minutes. So in 15 minutes, I don't mind if a few brothers and a few sisters ask a question for clarity purpose about something I said. But now, I don't want no questions about Islamic State, about Khilafah, about Osama bin Laden. I don't want no questions about Iraq and Afghanistan and Kashmir and Kafirs fighting in Palestine. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about citizenship and responsibility. That's what I'm talking about. Citizenship and our responsibility to the society where we live. Now, if there are written questions from the sisters, I'll take those questions first. Because usually, we always give our sisters what is left over. So, for this few moments we have, if there is a question that is Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N, if there is a question about something I said, you can stand up, sisters can send it forward, or brother, he can stand up, and he can question. But if you have a statement, then what you need to do is print your own flyers and hold your own event. Because we don't have time for you to make a statement after a statement. So, Sheikh, are there some questions from the sisters? Not yet. Okay, if there is a brother that needs to make a question, make your question very quick. I give my answer back very quick. Okay, I'm going to answer this question from a brother, even though he wrote it. But brothers, look, I'm going to tell you the way I am. I don't like me answering no questions from no brothers written down. Men talk straight to each other. This is why I know who I'm talking to, and you know, I ain't talking to nobody disguised, or you know, somebody sending me something like, and I don't even know who it is. But I know the sisters is, you know, mashallah, the sisters don't want to ask, stand up and ask nothing, and I'll take it written from them. But for the brothers, I want you to stand up and ask your question. Who this from, Aki? Sister or brother? The sister. All right. But for the brother, since he didn't know that, I'm going to ask the question. Brother said, can I or am I allowed to be a police officer? First of all, brothers and sisters, look, that's not what I talked about. And I'm not giving no fatwas. You know, you know, I'm not a scholar and a student of knowledge. Not really. You know, I, I study with a student of a student of a student. So, you know, I'm on that level. So if you want a fatwa, they got fatwa bases. They have shuyuk who can give fatwa and they oversee uh, websites. But I can't give a fatwa. I would like to say this to the brother, though. If you think you need to become a police officer, not because you're motivated to wear the uniform, not because you're motivated for the salary, but because you really believe that as a police officer, you can serve the Muslim community, that might be legitimate. But what you need to find out is, will that change your wala? Will that change your loyalty to Allah and his messenger and to the Muslims, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Because if it changes your loyalty, the answer is obvious. You cannot be a police officer. Allahu alam. I think this from a sister. To be honest, I believe there is no community among the Muslims. She said a special group of Muslims. I don't want to say that. I don't believe there is no community among the Muslim people because even if they try to make community, they build it by taking sides of their tribes. So I guess you got the message. How can they come over this madness? 
Sister, look, I do not believe that people will just evolve out of Asabia. I do not believe that people will just evolve out of nationalism. I think that some other greater power must come to them like it came to those tribes before. The tribes who came together in the beginning did not come together easily. They came together because there was confrontation, because there was some force and there was some fear. And there was some intimidation. And there was some motivation. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that some strength of leadership will come that will put this inside different Muslims to make them come together. Because if the Somali people have a problem with tribalism, I say they just have their special problem. But sister, that problem is evident in all the Muslims who have these little groups. And that's why they prefer to put these little names on the masjids. Names that people, you know, Masjid Khalid ibn Walid. Everybody knows that's the name of the masjid. But people always say to me, you know the Somali mosque. Oh, you know the, the Bengali mosque. Oh, you know the Philistine mosque. Oh, you know the Maghribi mosque. Oh, you know the Sudani mosque. Oh, you know this one, that one, always. Because that's what the people, they love. We ask Allah that somehow through leadership, through guidance, through some intimidation, through some motivation, that this poison of asobiya, this poison of tribalism, this color preference, this color prejudice, this ethnicity among the Muslims will be crushed. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if it's not, no unity will ever come to the Muslims. If there's a brother who has a question, I'll take two questions from the sisters, and then I'll take a question from the brothers. That's balanced, that's fair, right? Two, and then one. Okay, said, we constantly hear the same ideas in every conference. However, no one has taken any action. How can we make today different where you sit down without, with our community leaders to make a change? Sister, let me just say this to you. A visitor only has the right to suggest. He should not interfere with the people. I'm a guest and I have a host. I do have the right to advise. I have the right to give nasiha, to speak openly. I try to do that. Even if you don't want to invite me back, I don't care. But I should not involve myself to do that unless I intend to be here and to be responsible for that decision. But I'm making that suggestion. And those leaders can hold me responsible for making the suggestion. Okay, is there a question from the brothers? Yes, please, quickly, brother. Yes, I enjoy your, um, your lecture and uh, may all of us, uh, you know, benefit from what you're saying. Because what you're saying is, makes a lot of sense, you know. My question is, because I know that here in, in the Muslim community, I've, I've been a Muslim for eight years from Christianity. And I find that there's a lot of weakness in the community here. And one of the weakness that I found is that there's no uh, security uh, in the community. For example, we hear a lot of, of our sisters sometimes get assaulted. And, you know, some of us, because, you know, we're, you know, we're Muslim and stuff, you know, we, we, we get discriminated. There's no security. Uh, you know, what I want to ask you is how can we establish here in Toronto some kind of, of uh, jamaat some kind of defense team so that if something happens, at least we don't have to call the cops because I know it says in the Quran that we're not supposed to uh, take uh, you know, the Christians and the pagans as our uh, protectors and advisors. May Allah reward you, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, I'm not cutting you off, but I got what you're saying and I'll be very clear about it. In, in the beginning of my lecture, I addressed that. I said that we need to establish a hisbah. It means a regulatory agency. Not to defend the Muslims, but also to regulate them. Because I think 
that to have a body to protect the Muslims and not to have a body to protect them against themselves. So we need a hisbah. But that hisbah should come out of the actions of the imams. We have to deal with the issue of leadership because if we don't deal with that issue, we can't do anything with the followers. And Allah, he knows the best, inshallah. Um, I'll take another question from the sisters, inshallah. Uh, one sister says, how do you make a stronger bond if no one won't come out and make a stronger community? I say, each one, teach one. Each one, take the message out to the next one. Talk to each other the way you talk about your teams. Talk to each other like you talk to each other about what you saw in the, in the marketplace when you went to the mall. Talk to each other about like you talk to each other about this like you talk about money, like you talk about a husband or a wife. Talk to each other, invite each other, advise each other. If you do that on a regular basis, soon or later the message will come across, inshallah. Sister says in Canada we had a chance to have a Sharia system, but the government said at the end that they couldn't implement this because the biggest voice of protest was from the Muslims. Okay, I won't read the whole question, but I'm aware of this. And that is shameful. That is shameful. The same thing happened in Britain. That when we had the chance to set up a Sharia council, of course it was limited. It was only dealing with marriage and divorce and some civil issues and all of that. But that's the beginning. But the people who didn't want to be regulated by the Sharia council were the Muslims. And the government already knew that. So the government said, if you can get a unanimous agreement by the Muslims, you can do it. But they already themselves knew that they had already trained. They had already trained some Muslims. They had already trained them in their institutions, some PhDDs, to say no. If we do that, those fundamentalists is going to start causing problems with us. Those fundamentalists, those extremists. And so we don't want that Sharia. It's good enough for us to be judged in the courts of the British and the Americans and the Canadians. And so yes... The Munafiks always act like that. And the Munafiqeen, they will never change their ways. We have to continue. Don't give up. Those who initiated that should not give up. Continue. Move forward. Be as consistent as the Munafiq. There's another brother there. Okay, it's almost time. Please, Aki. Okay, go ahead, brother. I just have a quick question in regards to you mentioned uh, having the, the mirrors of the masjid meeting up. I just want to turn, turn a table here quickly and ask his brother if there's such thing going on. If there isn't... Well, you can't ask him because he's not, uh, he's not the speaker. That's uh, not fair. Okay. Uh, inshallah, brother, uh, that's the adab is that we should not switch the responsibility because I made the statements. We should not have him to answer. Okay? Yes, Sheikh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's my first time to attend youth uh, conference. I was so happy from yesterday. I just happened start yesterday. Uh, and uh, my question is here uh, you mentioned about a lot of things you need to be uh, done I have as a Muslim in, in, in this country uh, you point some as a leadership to have place to have something for our religion I mean to uh, take care of our responsibility as a Muslim uh, you said as a, I'm a foreigner you can't take much responsibility to follow up Assalamu alaikum Muslims, please. We can, we're not are going to hear the gentleman, the, our brother, our elder, if you are talking. So we only have a few minutes, so please stop moving around and let's listen. We only have a few more moments. So brother, stop moving in the back.
Can you just hold up for a moment? Fadl Sheikh. And uh, are you going to help us more? You said I'm a foreigner, you can't continue much of this, but are you going to point to some area to uh, back us up to do uh, this issue to be... Jazakallah khairi. Our Sheikh, he said... Uh, may Allah reward you, Sheikh. I'm just trying to accelerate a little bit. The Sheikh, he said, he, he uh, reminded me of the things I mentioned, I suggested, and he wanted to know whether, even though I'm a foreigner, that means I'm just a visitor, would I morally be responsible to follow up or to be responsible for um, working or coordinating with the brothers here who are in leadership to bring this about? The answer is absolutely yes. To the best of my ability, I will continue to write and to speak. And whenever I'm asked to visit, I will be here. And I have already told the people of Toronto that if Allah makes his qadr for it to be happen, Toronto is a beautiful place for me to come back to. I live in North America. I live in New York. That's where my family is at. I would prefer to live in Toronto than to live in New York. But I don't know if that is the qadr of Allah yet. So I will speak to some people. I made my istikhara and we will see inshallah. The last question is, Assalamu alaikum. Please give us your advice how to start without fighting each other. Who will be the leader? Speaking as women, how can we try to establish the leadership without committing or following the sunnah of the Prophet Okay, I want to just say this. First of all, what we are suggesting will not necessarily be easy. There will be the stepping on somebody's toes. There'll be a little bit of pushing, shoving. There'll be a little bit of uh, voices raised sometime. There, there will be a little bit of, uh, of discomfort involved. But I say, let us as the followers do our part. Then we put the pressure on the leaders to do their part. So how can we start that off? How can we initiate that? Then let's put together something called a white paper. Let's put together something called a public referendum. Let's write this as a public referendum, something from the Muslims. Let us get all the signatures from all the Muslims, as many as we can, for the next 30, 60, 90 days. Let's collect 50,000 signatures that we want a united leadership in this city and how we suggest to do that. Let a committee come together and put that referendum together from the followers. Do it on your own. No leaders have to give you the permission to do that. Set up a committee to put together a referendum of some of these suggestions and make sure that some of the students of knowledge and if some of those imams want to be there, that they are there. Put that public referendum there and then put it in every masjid. Put it in the newspaper. Put it everywhere and start collecting signatures. When you get 50,000 or 100,000 signatures of the Muslims in this city that say that this is what they want, then give it to the leadership and see what they do. That's a start. That's a start. But if you can't do that, don't keep blaming and pointing the finger at the leaders. Everybody like to do that. Yeah, the leaders are responsible. But in most cases, you get the leaders that you deserve. And they usually get the followers that they deserve. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our leadership. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our community. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our efforts. We ask Allah to bless our children. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to reform us, to clean us, to straighten us out, to make us better Muslims. We ask Allah to make us better citizens. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us better example, to give us a better character. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to give us better knowledge, more zeal, more energy, more respect, more dignity, more better treatment 
treatment of each other and treatment of our women, better individuals and better families and better societies, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this on the basis of our sincere ibadah. This is what we do. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless this gathering, bless the organizers, Bless those who have spent the money. Bless the sponsors. Bless the women who brought their children here for three days. Bless the children themselves who sat here for three days. Bless them. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless the fathers who have encouraged their children to be here and their wives and their daughters to be here. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless all the speakers who got on trains and buses and planes to come here. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless all the efforts. May Allah bless the people who are the sponsors and the administrators of this masjid. May Allah bless them because in the background they have cleaned and they were sweeping and they were mopping and they were pushing brooms and, and when we come back in the morning we found the place clean and ready for us. May Allah bless them for spending the money to have a place for us to come. May Allah bless all these efforts and accept them as being sincere. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive me for anything wrong which I have said. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, may he cause benefit from the medicine that is distributed. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cause the one who distributed the medicine to be the one who benefits the most. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik wa nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta wa nastaghfiruk wa natubu alaykum wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa